So let's stand together for the reading of God's word to us this wonderful Easter morning. It's a real word from our real God. Hear God's word to you this morning. Man born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. He springs up like a flower and withers away. Like a fleeting shadow, he does not endure. Do you fix your eye on such a one? Will you bring him before you for judgment? Who can bring what is pure from the impure? No one. Man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. So look away from him and let him alone till he has put in his time like a hired man. At least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. But man dies and is laid low. He breathes his last and is no more. As water disappears from the sea, or a riverbed becomes parched and dry, so man lies down and does not rise. Till the heavens are no more, men will not awake or be roused from their sleep. If only you would hide me in the grave and conceal me till your anger has passed. If only you would set me a time and then remember me. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. My offenses will be sealed up in a bag. You will cover over my sin. But as a mountain erodes and crumbles, and as a rock is moved from its place, as water wears away stones and torrents wash away the soil, so you destroy man's hope. You overpower him once for all, and he is gone. You change his countenance and send him away. If his sons are honored, he does not know it. If they are brought low, he does not see it. He feels but the pain of his own body, and mourns only for himself. Thus ends the reading of God's holy, authoritative word. May he bless it to our hearts this Easter morning. You may be seated. What a classic, eternal, not eternal, but ancient question. If a man dies, will he live again? Since man sinned in the Garden of Eden and brought death into the world, like God said would happen if they did that, man's been wrestling with this very question. I always think about it this way, and I, I remember myself being young, believe it or not. I know some of you think that was a long time ago. But when you're young, you're healthy, you're happy, you don't spend a lot of time thinking about that question. You feel like you're invincible. But as we get older, 
Some of us begin to maybe pass middle age a little bit. And way more than most of our life is over on this earth. The question seems more and more relevant. We begin to think about it more, don't we? I think of that Fleetwood Mac song, Landslide. Remember when I would hear it when I was younger, it was like, so what? But now as I hear these words, it actually hits me where it counts. Well, I've been afraid of changing because I built my life around you. But time makes you bolder. Even children get older. And I'm getting older too. Wasn't it yesterday that I was teaching my son Caleb those catechism questions? And I'd hear his cute little voice. He's 28 and married and about a year and a half left the seminary. Where does the time go? Maybe you've seen that movie, Fried Green Tomatoes. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I remember my, when I saw the commercials, I'm like, I'm never going to see that. But my wife kind of pulled me to go see it, and I was pleasantly surprised. There was an older woman telling the story to a younger married woman who was having troubles in her marriage. And she was in, a, in like a nursing home, and this woman would visit her, and she would tell these stories of this young girl, Iggy Threadgood, and all these crazy adventures of Iggy. I just love saying it, Iggy. And uh, when it was time for her, she, was, she thought she would get, be able to get out of her nursing home and go back to her home. She went, kind of escaped, and found out that, uh, oh no, it was her friend, older friend died, and she was able to leave. And she went back to where her house used to stand, and it wasn't there anymore. And she was standing by the grave of uh, one of her close relatives. And I want to give away the story. But she was sitting there with a bunch of honey that she had collected. And when her young friend came to see her, she was shocked to see the honey, and she finally put two and two together. And she realized who this older woman was and who the young girl in the story was. And she asked her, Did you see Iggy today? And she said, You know, sometimes I still get a glimpse of her. And I don't know why, that just really hit me. Because, of course, the older woman was Iggy. How many of us, sometimes we get a glimpse of the days gone by, but we realize soon and very soon we're going to be at the jumping off point. That's how she put it, by the way, in the movie. I like that. <laughs> Excuse me. So the question remains, if a man dies, will he live again? But there's also another question in this text as well that Job basically asks if you read between the lines. And it's even more important than is if a man uh, dies, will he live again? And it's this. If a man does die and he does live again, how in the world will he be able to face a holy and righteous God after all the evil thoughts, words, and deeds he's done while in this brief life that he's given him, that God's given him. It's the question of accounting and of judgment, as Job mentioned in his text, in this text as well. Eric Murundetta once put it this way, when death comes for us, it will not matter how many years we manage to preserve our existence, 
but rather what we did with the short time we were given on this earth. These questions are brought to the very forefront of Brother Job's mind when he was sitting on his bed of pain. That's what we got to see in this text. From Job's perspective, God seemed to be pursuing him to death. And his acute suffering, chronic suffering, this has been months and months and months by Job 14, has him despairing that he will ever return to health and happiness in this life. His hope is down to a nub. He, he doesn't see much hope. There's not a lot of light at the end of the tunnel for Brother Job. And he's lamenting. Look with me at 14, 1 to 3. I will read these verses. He says, man born of a woman is a few days, as I just mentioned, and full of trouble. He springs up like a flower and withers away like a fleeting shadow he does not endure. And then he asks to God, asks God, do you fix your eye on such a one? Will you bring him before you for judgment? See, here's the thing. Death and judgment, we can push that out of our minds when we're young and healthy. You with me? We could bury it with pleasures, right? We could become so busy working and doing our hobbies and doing other things that we don't have to think about it. You with me? But when you're in the midst of months and months of chronic suffering and loss, and the only friends you have you wished weren't your friends, you wish they'd just go away, That's while Job was in the middle of this extreme trial, that he cries out to God with the words we're going to be looking at this Easter morning. Words that are more incredible when you realize, here's the important thing to realize about this text and why it's so amazing. When you realize how little revelation Job had. Job didn't have the 66 books of the Bible. He had a very small section of the New Testament, very small. He didn't even have the first five books. Because he lived during Abraham's time. Before Moses. Very small amount of written revelation, that's for sure. And they knew a few things in his day. Like God had revealed he will only be approached through blood sacrifice. Job knew that much. Knew that much. How much more than that? We really don't know. But that's the incredible thing. The incredible thing is... And if you look at the book of James, chapter 5, it holds up, James holds up Job as an example of perseverance for New Testament saints to follow. Why? Because Job had such little revelation, and yet he did not give in. He did not curse God. He continued to persevere in faith, hope, and love. And yet, look at all the revelation we have. We have the revelation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is risen. We're going to do that one again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And so this we're going to see this morning. If God could keep Job believing and fighting the good fight of faith with the little revelation he had, how much more can God's grace keep us true to him since we have the solid promise of life after the grave now that Jesus is risen? That's the message I want you to see from Job 14. I want you to see that because it's deep. And it's real and it's not fleeting. It's not get on your, your Sunday's best and, and celebrate the Lord and then you go back to depression. This is the real stuff. And it's real encouragement on Monday as much as on Sunday. 
we're going to see three things in particular. We're going to see hope dashed. We've got to go there before we can get to the other parts. Hope dared. Actually, four things we're going to see. And then three, hope destroyed. And then lastly, hope delivered. Yeah, it's coming. But let's take a look because you're not going to be excited about the delivered part until you see the first part. So let's take a look um, real quick at hope dashed. It's the first thing. Verses 7 to 12, Job simply points out something that can be observed in nature. He contrasts the hope of a dead tree with that of a dead person. It's interesting, isn't it? He says to God, remember this is a prayer, at least there's hope for a tree. <laughs> if it's cut down, it'll sprout new shoots. Even a stump, think about it, a stump in the ground whose roots are old and seemingly lifeless will spring forth with new life, and I love this, even if there's a scent of water. <laughs> in other words, even if the root just smells water, it's going to start coming back to life. Yeah, you got to look at the text. That's what he says. And then he says, and it is sad, he says, but not so with man. From the perspective of empirical observation, like the book of Ecclesiastes, under the sun, unless God reveals it, under the sun, what we can see and what we can observe, man dies and is laid low. He breathes his last, last and is no more. Man lies down and does not rise. Now listen. Who among us here, unless you're so young, has not had somewhat of that experience? Has not felt, at least for a moment, this emotion at a funeral, for instance. I vividly remember my mom's funeral. And it was very odd to me that I kept it together through the whole thing till the end. The end, they take just the immediate family in, as many of you know, and they have the casket open for some of us. My family did. And they said, this is your last goodbye. This is your last opportunity. And I was kind of amazed at how well I was keeping it together until that moment, looking at my beautiful mom's lifeless body, and I uncontrollably started weeping. And I remember a relative trying to console me, and in my heart I was like, get off me. Just get off me. This is horrible. Even that old fig tree, that stinking old fig tree that's died and come back to life a million times, I can go see that to this day. If I go to my dad's old house today, I see that fig tree. But you know what? In this life, I'm never going to see my mom's beautiful face again. was taken from him. You know why? Because death stinks. You don't sugarcoat it. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat it. Should have never happened. So the million dollar question is, did Job believe that there was no life after death? Is that what Job is saying? Well, look, this is what's remarkable. You would think with the little amount of revelation he had back then, he might have thought that. But here's the incredible thing. Look at verse 12. We start seeing something um, happen here in Job. Look at verse 12 in his heart and mind. So man lies down and does not rise 
till the heavens are no more, men will not awake or be roused from their sleep. So this is interesting. After all that talk, notice, he does have some hope after all. He, he doesn't say men will never awake from their sleep, but rather, notice what he says, until the heavens are no more. In other words, man will rise, but not until the heavens are no more. At some future, future way time in the distant, distant future. Elder Smick puts it this way. This chapter proves that Job believed in the possibility of resurrection. Though he saw man differently than the tree that can be cut down and immediately renewed, man lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more, but the assumption is that man will be raised. Now, in case that doesn't convince you, this next section will. And, you know, I had never heard a sermon on this passage until I started studying for this, and that's 20-some-odd years of walking with Jesus. It's, it's pretty incredible. So this is what we're going to see. We saw hopes dashed. Now we're going to see hope dared. So in the next verses, 13 and following, Job expresses a deep desire, maybe a hopeful wish that God would do something that he had no specific revelation to base it on. See, think about it this way. You can learn a lot from science, from observing nature, right? doing hypotheses. We can learn about psychology by studying man and his relationships. We can learn about sociology by studying man and society. We can learn about marriage by watching people interact in the state of marriage. But when it comes to spiritual things, especially when it comes to life beyond the grave, listen, this is important. I remember teaching the kids this in catechism class a few weeks ago. When it comes to those things, God has to let us in on it. He has to reveal it to us. In other words, God has to let us behind the curtain. He's the only one who knows, and he has to show it to us. And that's what makes it so incredible here, is that Job only barely got a peek behind the curtain. Just a smidge compared to what we have. So then, listen, here's the question. This is where it's going to start picking up. In case you're wondering, wow, this is Easter. Where is Pastor going with this? This is where it's going to pick up great. And that's this. What would make Job dream or wish of such incredible things that he mentions in verses 13 to 17? And I'm going to mention two things to you that are powerful. And the first one is this. The power of the God he knew and served. That's the first thing. Listen to what he says. If only you would hide me in the grave and conceal me till your anger has passed. If only you would set me a time and then remember me. See, Job knew something even way back then that we need to remind ourselves of every day. And that's this. God is able, church. He's able. What Job was saying is, I know you could do it if you wanted to. It's like when Jesus healed the one man, I remember him saying, if you, if you want to, I know you could, if you're willing. And I'd never forget Jesus' words because he was so blessed by that faith. I'm willing. How many here believe God is willing Amen. and able Amen. to do immeasurably more than we ask, or what does Paul say, even imagine? Because I want to tell you right now, Job is imagining. He didn't have the word like we do. 
about the promise of resurrection. He's an, he's an imaginary state. But he knew God could do it. He says this. If you wanted to, basically, you could hide me in the grave until your anger passed and then you could remember me. Because listen, God can do anything except go against his holy character. It's the only thing God can't do. He can't lie. He can't sin. He can't break his promises. Other than that, he can do anything. Job knew deep in his heart, even if his suffering sometimes caused him bouts of gloom and despair. Hello? Anybody ever have some despair? He knew deep in his heart that God loved him deeply. Even Job, in the ex extreme suffering that no one has ever known other than Jesus, really. There was no one. Jesus, God said himself in this, in this book, I have no one like Job. So, you know, when we're like, I feel like Job. No, you don't. And even then, he still knew that God loved him. Now, why do I say this? Listen to this appeal. Listen to this. This, this is so tender. Verse 14, if a man dies, will he live again? There's the question. All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. He's waiting for something. And then look at verse 15. You will call, and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. He basically is saying to God, after all this suffering, I will wait for you, and you will renew me. And then he says this, this is powerful. You will long for the creature that your hands have made. What's Job saying? You're going to miss me when I'm gone. He's saying that to God. Now, you may not know me well, you may know me well. If there's anything that pulls on my heartstrings more than anything else, is for, to hear someone sincerely say to me, I miss you. I don't know why, but for some reason that, that strikes a chord in me like nothing else. And I've been thinking about it. Why, why does that strike me? Why does it hit me? Why does it touch me so deeply? And I think this is the reason why. The thought that I could leave this earth and have no one notice, have no one care that I was ever even here, Like my life didn't matter to anyone? To me, that's heartbreaking. It's crushing. So to hear someone say, I missed you. Now, how incredible would it be if the creator of the universe actually missed you when you were gone? If he longed for you so much that he wouldn't let you stay in the grave. Think about that. But he would call you out of the grave so that you'd come back to life and answer him. That's exactly Job's dream. The dream of Job. That would be a cool song. The dream of Job. He knew God cared and he knew if God wanted he could raise him even from the dead. And on that day, says Job, verse 16, come on, this is great news. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sin. Listen, how awesome is that? And I want you to see something. So many people will say, 
throughout this book that Job is claiming to be sinless. Right here we see Job is not claiming to be sinless. He's claiming that he didn't do anything particularly evil to deserve the trial he's getting, like his friends were blaming him, right? He's saying, I'm a God-fearing man, not a wicked man, in terms of a, as a way of life. But what he's admitting here is that he's a sinner and he still needs grace. He's not an innocent man whose uprightness puts God in his debt. God forbid. He's not saying that. So he says here, look, this is what he wants. He wants, I want, an, I want to walk intimately with you so that you know each of my steps intimately. So you're paying very close attention to every aspect of my life. However, you're not looking at my sin. <laughs> now, isn't that the only way we could have an intimate relationship with God? Is if he comes near and has, knows every little thing about us, but as those ugly sins come up, he doesn't take account of them. And then he caps his dream, his wish or his prayer, off with these picturesque words. My offenses will be sealed up in a bag. You will cover over my sin. Job was a little before his time, wasn't he? You know where we're going to go with that. Just one more moment. Hang in there. Because as it often happens, and this is, this is good for us to see, because sometimes we feel abnormal when we're going through suffering and we have doubts and we have um, times of struggle. But what, what, what happens a lot of times when people are chronically, chronically suffering, and you've probably noticed this in family or friends who are suffering like that, or maybe even yourself, you'll notice you have times of highs and lows. You ever notice that? It's more like a roller coaster than it is a nice straight, I am just holy, walking with Jesus 24-7, no problems. It's more like boom, 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 boom. At least me. And then you hope as you grow in grace you could do a little, little less of the bumps. But with Brother Job here, he goes from the heights where we just were to the third thing I want to show you in the text, hope destroyed. Look at verse 18. Then he goes back into looking at his horrible situation. And he says, as, mountains erodes and crum as a mountain erodes and crumbles, and as a rock is moved from its place, as water wears away stones and torrents wash away the soil, so you destroy man's hope. You overpower him once for all, and he is gone. You change his countenance and send him away. See, this is no fairy tale. This is no Cinderella story, right? So it makes sense that Job goes from, oh, happy day, to dust in the wind. That's what he did. That's what he did here. He went from happy day to dust in the wind. And yet in, in chapter 19, which we won't get into this morning, we see once again Job has some of the most beautiful words about resurrection. I know my Redeemer lives. Remember that? And I will see him on that day with these eyes. So we'll get to that. But I'm going to close... Not with Job, but I want to close with what Job was hoping for, what he was dreaming for, and how us today, we actually have that not as a dream, but as a promise, as a solid fact, and as a reality. Because 2,000 years ago, you know, when rock and roll first started? Yeah, rock and roll first started 2,000 years ago. It's when Jesus said to the rock, rock. I want you to roll. Amen? And then he came walking out. 
And then when they came to the empty tomb, they were looking around, where's Jesus? The angel said, uh, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He has risen, what? Just as he said. Remember when Jesus came to earth? When God came to earth as a man as he had promised it was thousands of years ago? I want to tell you this story because hopefully many of you have read it and you know it. Jesus had a friend. And his name was Lazarus. And Jesus was too late in a lot of his friend's eyes and his loved ones because when he got there, Lazarus had been dead for three days. Right? Three or four days. And if you remember, it says something interesting in the text. Jesus wept. What you might not know, if you don't know Greek, it says he snorted. That means that uncontrollable cry I was talking about, like when I saw my mom's body. He snorted. You know what? Jesus could not bear to see his friend in the grave. And you know what? Jesus missed him. And so what did Jesus do? He called to Lazarus. And what happened? Lazarus answered. <laughs> he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus got up out of that grave. And I always love um, what one preacher said, Barnhouse, said, good thing he said uh, Lazarus first. Because if he just said, come forth, they all would have come out of the grave. <laughs> and someday, brothers and sisters, that's exactly what's going to happen. Jesus is going to call all our names. That trump is going to sound, and we are going to bust up out of that grave. So you remember where Job said, if you would only hide me in the grave until your wrath is past. Sound familiar? If only you would take my sins and put them in a bag. But here's the beautiful, and cover over my sin. Jesus didn't put them on a bag. What did Jesus, in a bag? Jesus paid for them in full. <laughs> the dream has come true. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Listen with me. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. Paul ends with this. Therefore, my dear brother, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, with the little that Job knew, he persevered in the faith, even through the trials and the suffering of this life. How much more can we let nothing move us? Can we always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because we know 
We don't just hope. We don't just dream. We know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now look. The fact that we know, those of us who know Christ here this morning, the fact that we know that when we die, when we go off that jumping off point, we will be with him in paradise and someday he will raise us from the dead gives awesome comfort. Amen? Amen. But that's not the punchline. Punchline back in Job and also here in Corinthians is the solid promise that we can now, we know we can keep on loving, keep on fighting, keep on serving, keep on denying self and living unto God and doing good works because we know for a fact that what we do here matters and it's not in vain. When you visit a widow in quiet, nobody else knows but you God and that widow, it's not in vain. When you serve those who cannot repay you in this life, Jesus says, when? In the day of the resurrection of the righteous. I'll take care of the bill. So brothers and sisters, the dream of Job this Easter is a reality because of what Christ Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Live in that victory. And continue to serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because you know that you're laboring the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for this awesome Easter message, one that's surprising in many ways. Uh, I myself haven't even heard one like this. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, that the dream of your servant Job, who's now with you and knows like we know, that that dream has come true and that we are promised that we who believe, we too, will be raised from the dead and live with you, the Father and the Spirit, and all the saints forever with new bodies. So Lord Jesus, please help us to think upon these things on a daily basis so that when we're tired, when we struggle with the fight, when we want to lay down and give up, you'll remind us that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, Lord, have mercy. To that end, we pray, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.